<laughs> to have to come up here and do that right now. But praise the Lord. I, God is good, and I'm so glad to see so many of you coming home and coming back. I really believe that we are on the verge of something special, not just our church, but churches all across America. I believe we're going to see a great outpouring of the Spirit of God in our families and in our lives. We're going to see prodigals come home. We're going to see those who have never experienced a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're going to discover that they need Him now more than ever before. And that today is the day of salvation. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to ask you to be doing something with us. Uh, I've, I've had this on my heart now for a while. We'd done this once before. It's been several years ago. Uh, but I want you to be thinking for the next couple of weeks about people that are in your family, in your household, in your circle of influence who need to come to Jesus Christ. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to write their names down on a sticky note. And we're going to stick them all over these altars up here. And we're going to keep them there until one of two things happens. Either they're going to get saved and we can remove their sticky note off of the altar, or uh, we'll get to Easter. And at and Easter, we're just going to put all of those in a barrel, those that are left, and we're going to say, God, all of these names that are in this are names that we carry in our heart, and we want to see them saved. So we're going to believe that God is going to bring our families, our neighbors, our workmates into a personal relationship with Him. We need Jesus, don't we? Scripture says without him we can do nothing at all. And how true that is. So thank you for being here today. And um, my wife told me before we got started, she said, take the crock pot, plug it in, turn it on high, put it for up for four hours. I said, four hours? I said, it's nine o'clock now. I said, are you expecting me to preach long-winded today? Four hours? She said, just go plug it in. So I, my, ch my chili is ready to go. And I tell you, I'm thinking seriously about having dessert first. I, I just feel like that, you know, there's, there's freedom in the spirit, isn't there? Dessert would be good if we did it first. And then you could always have it after, right? So I'm going to tell you, I know what she brought for dessert today. And you better come up with some pretty good bids or else I'm taking that bad boy back home with me today because, you know, it's good. But everything that we do this morning uh, in terms of that will be for our youth uh, program and to help fund some of the things that they've got coming up. So I do encourage you to come. Uh, if you don't like chili, I know you like dessert. If you, you can eat fried chicken on your way home. There's all kinds of places you can drive through and get chicken. But come by and take <laughs> Jesus chicken. But come by and take a few tastes and uh, make a donation, if you will. All of the proceeds to this will go to Pastor Matt's program with the youth department and help them do some things that they really need to do. So I appreciate your willingness to do that. So this has been, uh, as I've already said, it's been kind of a crazy week for us here in the United States as we've uh, listened intently to what's going on in the world i just be very honest with you today. I had intended to go a completely different direction with the message this morning. Had already put all my notes together, and, and uh, I was ready to preach a different message. And just yesterday morning, the Lord just began to speak to me about another thing that we need to discuss today. And uh, some information that I believe that we need to grab hold of as it pertains to Scripture and how it deals with the end times and uh, the days in which we're living. And so uh, this message today may, may not be quite as polished with all the additional things in there. But I, I'm just going to talk to you today about some things that I feel like that we need to be aware of. And how we need to live when the sky is falling. How many of you remember years ago there was a cartoon... There was a character called Chicken Little. How many of you remember Chicken Little? And, of course, he's well known for saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. What's wrong, Chicken Litter? Little? <laughs> little? The sky is falling. And he got known for that. And I would suggest to you that 
people who are in the world and people who do not have Scripture as their foundation and as their base are being chicken littles today. They're just screaming everything that the sky is falling, that this earth is almost finished and complete. I didn't ask them to sing this song this morning, but when they sang, it ain't over until I say it's over, speaking of the Lord, they prophetically announced what I want to say to you today. It ain't over until God says it's over. And then when God says it's over, we no longer want to be here anyway. We want to be in his presence for eternity. And so as I start this morning, I, I simply want to ask you, are you ready to meet Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Do you have anyone in your family that is living their lives outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if they are, then it's time for us to get serious about their salvation. It's, it's time for us to get serious about our prodigals coming home. Kids that have been raised in church and Sunday school and children's church, all those things, know who Jesus is, have turned other directions and are living lives that are contrary to a relationship with Christ. It's time for we, the church, to get serious about our prayers on their behalf and paying the price, if you will, sowing the seed that we need to sow to get them into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Why is it so important now? Because we really are living in the last days. Now, I know that some of you already are back there saying, Pastor, I've been in church for a long, long time, and I've been hearing preachers declare that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. We even sang songs, Jesus is coming soon. Morning or night or noon, we've sung them, we've preached it, and yet Jesus has not come yet. And my only answer to that is, is that the reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because of his great mercy and grace. And he has extended time so that we can get busy in this world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today I want to talk to you for a few things and share with you, first of all, that I believe that we are living in a time that could very quickly precede the coming of Jesus Christ. And with that knowledge, how should we live in our lives and in our world today? And so I want you to pray with me that the Lord will help me to represent this message properly today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of gathering in the United States in a place where our freedoms are secure. I, I know that there might be some who would feel that the government is trying to take our freedoms away, and, and I blame it on the, the enemy, the devil, more than I do the government because he's the one who wants to see uh, destruction in our lives. I'm so glad to know today that the power that we possess in, in the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us and the promises of the Word of God ensures our victory over Satan. And so I pray that today you will help us to get into our mind and into our spirit, not only where we are living in terms of history and the future, but how we should live in times like these. So Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name, and I give you the praise for what you will do this morning. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I want to share several passages of Scripture with you at the very outset this is not my opinion, okay? Let me start by saying this is not my opinion. I, I remember it's been two or three years ago I preached a series of messages on finances. 
tithing and giving and things of that nature. And I remember every week I said to you, this is not my opinion. This is what Scripture teaches about our finances. Because if it's only a man's opinion, then it doesn't count for much. But when we know that it's God's opinion, then it becomes serious business to us. And so I want to begin this message today by saying to you, these are not my opinions. What I'm, what I'm getting ready to share with you is not something that I cooked up. This is the Word of God. And we're going to read it together, and we're going to read it slowly so that we can take it in to our spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-7. through 7. Scripture says, But understand this. That in the last days, look at your neighbor and say, last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. They're always learning never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Now, let's just stop there long enough and let me ask you outright, does any of that sound familiar to you when you compare it to the world that we are currently living in? Does it sound familiar to you? Let's just look at a few of those. He starts off by saying there will be people who love themselves you know what that is? It's narcissism. It's people who are more concerned about themselves than they are anyone else. It's people who, it's all about me. And it's not about anyone else. We see this in the sports world. We see it among our politicians. And I hate to have to say it, but we see it in the pulpits of our churches in America where preachers don't really think anything about anyone other than themselves and politicians don't care about anyone else other than their own politics and their own ways of doing things and sports stars only care about what they look like to the community where they where they play and where they uh, give into that community, they're only concerned about how people perceive them. Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. Listen to this one disobedient to parents. So I remember my dad, when I was very young, he told me one time, he said, Take the trash out. And I remember saying, how much would you like to pay me to do that? And he said, I, he said, I will let you live. He said, take the trash out. And I tried to negotiate a better deal. And Dad did not move off of his price. You want to live in my house? You want to stay here with your mom and dad, you take the trash out. And if you don't, there will be a price to pay. 
And you know what? I took the trash out. And there have been many, many times that I've taken the trash out. I want to say this very carefully, but parents, if you don't have control of your household and your home, you're not doing something right. He said, well, I love them. Well, if you love them, don't spare the rod. Because Scripture says it will spoil the child. I don't anybody go home today and say, Pastor told me to beat you today. So <laughs> bend over, pull your britches down. I'm getting ready to rod you within an inch of your life. That's not what I'm saying. And that's really not what Scripture is saying. But what Scripture is saying is, is that as parents, we are always to discipline our children from a place of authority because we have the authority. And so as we don't do those things, then we raise children that are disobedient to our parents. I read an article this week about a, a songwriter in the Christian world. His name's Tim Shepard. Years ago, he was very well known, very, very popular among the Christian, um, the CCM, uh, contemporary Christian music movement. And um, all of a sudden, he just disappeared from, from the limelight, so to speak. And when they were asking him why, he said, because I felt like there was a season in my life when I needed to step away from my trade so that I could respect and honor my parents. He said, let me explain. Both of my parents came down with sicknesses and illness and disease that caused them not to be able to take care of themselves. And as their son, I felt a responsibility to bring them into my home and to honor them and take care of them and meet their needs. Said, all of those who are handling my career said, you're going to destroy your career. And he said to them, how could I stand on a stage and encourage people to serve God and worship God and love God and at the same time disrespect and dishonor my parents? He said, for this season in my life, I have to give myself to my mom and dad because they need me more than the church needs me. And for a period of a few years, he stayed home and he took care of his mom and dad. And at the close, when they passed away, unexpectedly, people started calling him and saying, we'd like to award you a contract for your music. We'd like for you to, to write some songs for, our, for this uh, project and album. And he said, I say and believe that those contracts came to me at a time in my life when I had been faithful and had honored my mother and my father even when I was an adult. And that's exactly the reason why my wife and I took care of my mom and dad at the end of our lives. They were far more important to us than anything else, and they deserve to be honored by us. So child, children, young people, let me tell you, when your parents say you need to honor me, you need to obey me, it's not because they're trying to be mean to you, it's because they're trying to raise you in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And listen, it comes with a promise of long life when we honor our parents ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. I told somebody just this week, we were talking about a child, a young person. And I said, here's how I'm praying for your young, your child, your, your young, uh, a, a young adult, if I can say it that way. I'm trying not to give it away, but I, I said, here's how I'm praying. I'm praying that they will be kept from being involved with people who will lead them to drugs and alcohol and any other thing that would control their mind. Because they cannot think properly if they do not have control of their mind. 
they cannot serve God and the Word of God appropriately if the enemy of their soul has captured their mind through any kind of mind-altering chemical or drink. And so my prayer is that, Lord, during this season, that you will keep their minds clear and that you will keep them away from other people who will sow seed of negativity into their life and into their mind. Now, I pray that their friends will be holy friends. I pray that the people that they hang out with will be people who abide by Scripture so that their minds can remain free. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. My, what, what an indictment against the church that says we're spirit-filled men and women that declare greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But you let some bad piece of news come our way and all of a sudden we fall apart and we have nothing but fear reigning in our lives. Who do we think we are to allow our lives to be ruined by fear when the God God of this universe lives inside of us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are doing a disservice to God when we give place to fear. Said, avoid people like that. <laughs> who are you hanging out with? Scripture says, avoid them. For among them are those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. Can I tell you that we're smarter today than we've ever been at any time in history. We have access to more information than we've ever had before, but information is not what we need. We need spiritual knowledge that will lead us to the things of God and the heart of God. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 21, if you will. Verses 7 through 15. And then we'll go to verses 25 through 28. Luke 21, 7 through 15. And they asked him, teacher, when will all of these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, see that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. But don't go after them, and when you hear of wars and tumults, King James Version says, rumors of war. Do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. And this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Oh, that's a powerful statement. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer. <clears throat> For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Verse 25. There will be signs in the sun and moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world 
for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. You know what that says to me? We're looking at the wrong things. We're looking in the wrong direction. We're trying to figure out how we're going to live in the midst of our world, even now, just when it seems like that we're getting a clear pathway to restoration from a pestilence and a disease. And now we wake up to the news of a tyrant in Russia who has attacked Ukraine and is trying to reestablish the Soviet Union in the European area, and now we're going to have to pay the price for that. You say, well, why are we involved? Because of the political system that is running our world. Instead of fighting, we want to raise prices on people, but that all comes back to the taxpayers, you and I. We're going to be paying gasoline prices. As my dad used to say, out the wazoo. I'm not real sure what that means, but it sounds appropriate here in this setting. Our groceries are going to go up. Why? Because some tyrant in another part of the world is driving these things up on top of what our own government has caused to happen in the United States. I'm not talking about politics now. I'm talking about how that our world is getting crazy. I already told you last week we got our utility bill just a few days ago, and it was over three times higher than it had ever been before. I went to the gas pump and put diesel in my truck. And when I got the last drop in, it was $119 and a penny. Says it sounds like to me, Pastor, that you're angry about what's going in the world. No, I'm just trying to tell you that these kinds of things are happening in our world today. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. But the good news is, is that if we can train ourselves and teach ourselves to look at the blessings of God rather than the cursing of the enemy, we can live even in the heart of difficulty with praise on our mouths and victory in our hearts. So how do we live in days like this? Let me just give you three simple ideas. The first one is this. We need to stay ready. We need to be living holy lives. I don't know when's the last time you've heard this, but let me tell you, tomorrow is not promised. This afternoon is not promised. We may never make it to the chili in the back building before something happens that changes everything about life. Because you see, we don't know when Jesus is coming again. We just know that he's coming again. I don't know if you know this or not, but not even Jesus knows when he's coming again. He's waiting for the Father to say to him, now is the time. Go get my children and bring them up out of that world. Daniel, who wrote much about end time, does not know the day, nor the hour, nor the minute when the Son of Man will come. Paul talked about the coming of Jesus many, many times, but he does not know when Jesus is going to come again. John, on the Isle of Patmos, was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And the Lord revealed to him the great revelation that he wrote down for all of us to hear and read. 
but not even John knows when Jesus is coming again. You could ask me, Pastor, do you know when Jesus is coming again? You could ask your neighbor, do you know when Jesus is coming again? And the answer would certainly have to be, none of us know when Jesus is going to come again. And so it behooves us to live every second of every moment, of every hour, of every day, of every year, holy before God and ready to go when he comes. Listen, you're not going to have time when Jesus comes. The scripture says it's going to happen so fast. He's going to come in the twinkling of an eye. Go ahead and bat your eyes a couple of times and see how fast that happens. Jesus will have come and gone before you can get your eyes batted. And so it's important that we live now in a holy mindset and life because we don't know when Jesus is coming again. I'm telling you, I'm so glad to know that I don't have to worry about it. I can go to sleep at night and say, Lord, if you come during the night, that's okay. My soul's just going to get up out of this body and I'm going to meet you and I'm going to be with you throughout eternity. Why? Because I'm saved and I know that I'm saved. And you can have the same assurance. There's a parable in the New Testament about ten virgins. They were supposed to have their lamps oiled and ready to go. But you know the story. When they went to bed at night, there were those who had no oil in their lamps. And when the master came, when, when, when it was time to light the lamps, they had no oil. And they tried to buy oil. They tried to get someone to give them oil. They tried to acquire oil in the last minute. But they were unable to get the oil and they were left. What that, that, that parable tells us is, is that we need to always have our lamps oiled and ready to go so that in a moment's notice, in a second's notice, when the Lord comes back, our lamps are oiled and ready. And what this teaches us is that you either have your oil or you don't. And you're the only one who can determine that. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, he is your oil. He is what will light your world. He is what will bring salvation and relationship to you throughout eternity. But you've got to have your own oil. Listen. If you die today, you're not going to purgatory and wait there temporarily until somebody can buy your sorry carcass out of purgatory and release you from there so that you can go to heaven. No, you only have one shot at it, and it's while you're still breathing on the face of this earth. You've got to have your lamp trimmed and ready. And only you can do that. You said, are you mad? No, I ain't mad. I'm excited because I've got oil in my lamp. I've got, didn't we used to sing a song like, I got oil in my lamp. Keep it burning, burning, burning. I got oil in my, something like that. The only word that we get from scripture about, uh, scripture about the second coming of Jesus Christ is this. Watch. Watch. What does that mean? That means that we should always be watching for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's coming again. Second thing that we need to learn how to do is to stay busy. And this is about harvest. Listen, I don't need to see your hands, but let me ask you today. Do you really believe Jesus is coming again? Do you really believe it? Then if you really believe it, You ought to be putting seed in the ground that's going to come to harvest. Because harvest is what we control. We control our own harvest by the seed that we sow or we don't sow. And so we must stay busy. Luke chapter 12 and verse 37 says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. The Bible tells us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. 
So let me ask you today, you came here or you're listening online today to hear the word of God. Praise the Lord. I applaud you for that. You should be doing that. I should be doing that as often as we can. And especially the scripture says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, such as the ways of some and especially in the last days. As we get closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to not be cutting our schedule back. We ought to not be cutting our participation in the local church. We ought to be increasing our participation in the local church because this is his church. You say, well, I don't like the church. Well, then let me tell you something. You're fighting against God himself. Because the church is what Jesus loves so much that he's preparing a dinner, a, a, a banquet uh, for the church to come to when these days are over with. He loves the church with an everlasting love. So you're just fighting against Jesus. If you don't like the church, find a church you can love. Find a place where you can be a part. Find a church where you can serve. Find a church where you can learn about the things of God. Find a church because the church is the vehicle through which God's Spirit flows. Doing. Somebody said that we should not quit. But nobody ever told us why we shouldn't quit. Well, let me tell you why. As we get older, here's what I've discovered. Our bodies don't give us the same production as they did when we were younger. I, I, I used to love to play basketball. We've got a young boy in our church right now that's playing basketball at Braden. And he, he's been playing basketball. I've been kind of following it on Facebook. They, they scored 17 total points in their game the other day whenever it was, and out of the 17, Braden scored 12 of them. So you, you, you know what that is? That's the Holy Ghost in that boy right there. It's the favor of God. But you know what I would say to Braden right now? Get as much in as you possibly can while you're young, because when you get old, you cannot play basketball when you're 63 years old. We actually just a few weeks ago started talking about opening the gym up for family night and playing ball and all that kind of thing. And some of our young guys said, Pastor, I'm too old to play basketball anymore. Can we just do something that's easier to do? Our bodies change. But here's what happens oftentimes. As we get older, we decide that we're not capable anymore. But let me tell you something. There are things that wisdom can do that physical activity has never been able to do. So there's never a good time to quit. You may change your pace, but don't change your race. Let me say that again. You may change your pace, but don't change your race. Whatever God has called you to do, run that race. Whatever you are gifted to do, run that race. Because we are sowing seed that will bring harvest into our lives. Somebody said harvest is a mentality, not a position. Let me say that again. Harvest is a mentality, not a position. Now you know, I grew up in a farm town, farm community. Everybody there was a farmer. Harvest never leaves their mind. Farmers are always talking about and thinking about harvest. Even when they're in the combine taking in the harvest, they're thinking about how they're going to divide that harvest, some to sell, some to keep as seed, and some to feed their animals with. And they're always thinking about harvest. And so what I'm saying to you today is, is that we as the people of God should always be thinking about harvest. Every day I should ask myself, what sinners are in close proximity to this Holy Ghost filled man or woman of God and how can I help get them saved? 
What child of mine do I sense is sliding away or moving away in their relationship with Jesus Christ? And what seed do I need to sow today that will keep them engaged in, the, in their, their relationship with Christ and in the church? What can I do? How can I sow a seed? What may I do to change their lives? Who can I sow a seed of love with today? I went out to do some business on Friday of this week, and I went into this place of business, and this old guy's in there, and he's, he retired 29 years at GE, and he's telling me his life story. And you know what? I'm, I'm kind of sitting there thinking, I ain't got time. I, I mean, that 39 years, I'm sorry, did I say 29? 39 years, I thought, I don't have time to hear 39 years of this man's life story. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, oh, so what you have planned for the day is more important than a divine appointment that I have set you up with. And so I started sowing seed. I first told him, I said, I'm a pastor of Spirit Life Church in Louisville. And oh, where's that at? And I told him, oh, what kind of, and I said, Church of God. And he said, oh, he said, is that Anderson, Indiana, or is it Cleveland, Tennessee? It's a question I get more than you want to know. I told him, I said, we're Pentecostal. We're those weird ones. You know, we just, and so here came the questions. Here came the questions. Here came the questions. And I started talking to him, and I started talking to him. And finally, finally, he said, I'm a Christian. I'm so, I teach Sunday school. He said, I'm just trying to pull it out of you. And I said, well, I was trying to pull it out of you. He said, we're pulling it out of each other. And finally, we just decided to praise the Lord right there in that house, right there in that place. So why are you telling us? Because we have a responsibility to dig deep and find out how people are living and what their lives are like. Wouldn't it be a travesty if we had an opportunity to witness to someone and then we didn't do it and they did not spend eternity with Jesus? Harvest is a mentality. Listen to this. We're told by statisticians that 5 billion people on the planet don't know Christ. 5 billion. Now, to help you understand that, if you went to the equator and started with the first individual and then started lining them up shoulder to shoulder, you would go not one time around the earth, but you would go 37 times around the earth at the equator to get 5 billion people. That's a lot of people that need to know Jesus. So what I'm saying is, is that if we don't win them, who will? We must. And then thirdly, we've got to learn to stay calm. This is hope. We have hope in Christ. We, we've just got to learn how to settle down and realize that God is in control. That our hope is in Him. That we can trust Him. Now this week, you know what happened this week. Putin decides he's going to go in and take Ukraine. And he thinks it's going to be easy. He thinks he's going to walk in there and have it in just a matter of a few hours. But something happened that he did not consider. Ukraine decided that rather than lay down and die, they were going to fight back. I don't know Zelensky. I wouldn't know him if he came into our church today. But there's something about a man who would make a statement like this and say, I don't need a ride. I need more ammunition. In other words, I'm out here with my people. I'm fighting. I'm going to put the flak jacket on and I'm going to stand in the streets with my people and I'm going to fight. So don't ask me to leave. Instead, give me some ammunition. And when I heard that, something in my spirit just went wild. 
because I know so many people that they've just decided to give up and quit and quit the church and quit the relationship with Christ. And I don't know if I can do it. I can't read my Bible every day and I can't pray every day and I'm not going to pay tithe or give an offering or anything like that because that's mine. I'm not going to do those things that I know that I could do and should do that would bring victory in my life. So I'm just going to quit. Or I'm going to find something that's way easier than being a child of God. Well, listen, I never told you that being a Christian would be easy. I, I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. You remember that one? That's an old song. I never promised you that. The Word of God never promised you that serving Jesus would be easy. But what the Word of God tells us is, is that if you have a mind to serve Jesus, uh, then He will give you all power and all authority and the ability to serve Him faithfully all the days of your life. We have to stay calm. Fear's rampant. People this week have been asking, should I cash out my 401k and put it in gold and store up food in my cellar in case Putin decides to come over here? I've heard that this week. I've heard this one this week. Should I gather enough ammunition to stave off the army from my compound? Well, number one, I don't have a compound. What the closest that I've ever had to a compound was when I lived here on the church property and there's a house there and a building here and a building there and a building back there. And you know, that's the closest I've ever had to a compound, but I don't feel any need to store up ammunition. I know people that won't pay their electric bill, but they'll buy, buy another box of ammunition. It's like a joy. I just need some more nine millimeters. Will you bring them by? I know one of these days Biden's going to unleash the army on me. And when he does, I'm going to be standing there at my front door with my AK-47 and I'm going to be ready to fight. As I fight my battles different than that. I fight my battles on my knees in the presence of the Lord and I know that he is going to keep me safe and deliver me and I'm like the three Hebrews who said I'm not going to bow even if you force me to we will not bow I'm going to, to keep my integrity and they said if not but we know God's able to keep us we know that he's able to deliver us but if not that's alright with me too because I know where I'm headed Shall I buy more bullets? I've heard this. Maybe I should immigrate to some other country where it is safer. Now, sometimes that's appropriate. We have two orphanages in Ukraine. More than that, but we've got two that they had to move them out of the area where they are because of the shelling that's going on. They are preparing to move them out of the country into Poland temporarily until everything has cleared and subsided. Sometimes it's possible that we may need to immigrate somewhere else. But we worry about it. Where would I go? What am I going to do? How many U-Haul trailers will I be able to take with me? Is, is Brandon Roberts going to move me? Or do I have to, you know, what, what's going on here? And then here's another one that I've heard. How about that vaccine? How about that mask? Don't come any closer to me because I'm social distancing. That kind of fear has driven men and women for the last two years. Should I or shouldn't I? Will I? Or won't I? How am I going to respond to all this? I'm going to respond the same way that I responded to the ammunition. Jesus Christ is my healer. By his stripes I am healed. He provides many ways to healing and blessing. And I'm going to pray about them and consider whatever I need to consider. But I am not worried about those things. Because he is in control. Time ready to close. Let me take you back to Luke 21 and 28. 
says, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is speaking to the church at Thessalonica and they're saying, what happens when we die? What happens to those who die before I do? What do we do? He said, oh, don't worry about that. He said, we know that the Son of Man is coming again. We know. And we know that when he steps out on the clouds of glory, that what happens when the rapture of the church takes place, the trump of God is going to sound. And when the trump of God sounds, Jesus is going to step out on the clouds of glory those who have gone on in death before, they will not prevent you and I from raising as well because we will be resurrected and we will spend eternity together. And then he makes this statement. He says, I'm telling you this so that you will not grieve as others who have no hope. We have hope. We have hope. So, Pastor, why are you telling me about all this? Why, why are you saying all this? Because there's a lot of bad news that's out there right now. And if we're not careful, we'll let the bad news ruin our day. I get tickled at people. They start hearing about wars and rumors of wars instead of just relaxing and saying, Jesus has got this, God's got this. All of a sudden, they hadn't watched Perry Stone in 14 years. And all of a sudden, they go to the TV and start, what's Perry have to say about this? What's John Hagee have to say about that? He's been all over the TV this week telling us all about what's going to happen. What about Dr. David Jeremiah? If anybody knows about end times, it's Dr. Jeremiah. Listen, I love those guys. Perry's Church of God. I mean, my goodness, how much better could it get than that, right? I'm only kidding. Listen, our answer isn't in Perry, and our answer is not in John Hagee, and our answer is not in Dr. David Jeremiah. Our answer can be found in the Word of God, and when we immerse ourselves in what the Word says, then we can live with hope and peace and know. God's on our side. He's got it all under control. Isn't that right? Stand with me if you will. Here's what I'd like to do as we prepare to close this morning. And you don't have to do this if you don't want to. If you're still a little bit concerned or whatever the case may be, you, you make that choice. I don't know. There just seems like to me there are times when the church just needs to come together and pray one for another. And so I'd like for you to come and join me down front this morning. Just find a place in this altar. It's time for us to restore the altar of God. Just